0: This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me on my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk inspiration and prayer every Monday from 11 to 1145 at 96.9 FM, 1360 AM, KWWJ. Or you can call in at 832-570-8075. Write me at tipfromgilbert at gmail.com. See you then.
1: Go ahead and bring that down just a tad there miss producer all right everybody out there in KWWJ keep walking with Jesus it's Gilbert Garcia another episode of a tip from Gilbert let's let that play slightly because I just love this song this is the great Dionne Warwick of course we all know her she's just so incredible Stevie Wonder the legend Elton John and Gladys Knight as they did this song to raise money for AIDS awareness Let it play just a tad. It was such an incredibly misunderstood disease back in 1985, and I remember it vividly because I was sort of brought up in that era, and I remember nobody understood AIDS, and it was just taking the lives of so many incredible people. When you think of people like um, Arthur Ashe, I mean, you know, Arthur Ashe getting AIDS from a blood transfusion, just such a tragic, tragic, disease we will play this song its entirety so let's go ahead and fade out there and I have a very special guest with me today mr. Alex Obregón Alex welcome to a tip from Gilbert thank you so
2: much for having me this morning
1: now Alex is is interesting because not only is he just a a a great man and a a great father he and his wife are doing all sorts of nonprofit work they're going to tell you about the nonprofit that they do but what I wanted to talk about is sort of his political career which has been on a skyrocket He is the deputy controller for the city of Houston. And you know, I'd like to think I know things, I'd like to think I'm an educated person, but you know what? I'm not so sure what I know what the controller does. And so Alex, just tell us real quick. When you've been there and I wanna hear your journey, we all wanna hear your journey, but what exactly does the city controller do?
2: Yeah, it's it's a question that we actually get quite often. Uh, some people refer to well, us as the comptroller well, or controller. Well, thank
1: goodness then I don't feel bad that you get it all the time. You
2: are not the only okay, one. Okay, good. And is it comptroller or controller? In in Houston, it's controller In the state of Texas, it's comptroller, but they mean the same thing. I wonder why that is. Does anyone know why? Yeah, and in fact, if you go to our website, you'll see a reason why uh, controller derived from comptroller, and it was basically a misspelling that happened many many years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it ended up just getting carried. Straightforward. No so it's from a misspelling.
1: Come on, what a great folklore that is. Imagine yeah. all the other things that are like
2: that. Tell us what does the comp no the controller do? Yeah, so, so simply the controller in Houston is the chief financial officer of the city of Houston. And it's a little bit of a unique structure because in the United States there's only five major cities that elect their chief financial officer. Very it, interesting. Yeah. Who are the five? Do you recall? Yeah, it's it's New York, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, LA, and Houston. And they all have independent independently elected controllers so it's a little bit of a unique aspect of municipal government most CFOs might be appointed by the mayor or you may even have an elected treasurer like you have in Chicago but the treasurer doesn't necessarily have the same functions as the controller uh, as in New York and Houston and LA where you're truly the the CFO of the city what's that's so interesting well tell me this so there's CFO, which is like the controller, or controller's yeah. like the
1: CFO. There's treasurer. Then let me ask you this, what does a city manager do?
2: Yeah, so a city manager would be like the CEO of the city. And it's a, it would be appointed by the council in some instances and that council would be the legislative body the board of directors so that's not a controller that's not a controller it's a, it's it's a much different role
1: okay so let's go back so has the controller
2: always existed in houston yeah i i believe it the office was created in 1903 so it's been around for a long time and effectively at the beginning it was just a bookkeeping function uh, it, they basically kept the the book of accounts uh, on behalf of the city, and then that sort of evolved into the future, and more and more responsibilities were were incorporated into that office. And now there's six primary functions which reside within the controller's Let's office. Let's go through them. Yeah. So one is the the executive branch, and that is your public facing a division within the controller's office that houses the communications department sets policy for the department and really does some of the some of the more um, executive level so functions. so essentially run in the office that's exactly okay. run in the office we've got an administration division which is a, a little bit like our internal hr so they handle payroll they handle personal action requests so it's more of a back-end office type function and most people wouldn't even know that exists within the office i see And then you've got some other more more meaty more meaty departments we've got a audit division and that audit division uh, does internal audits for all city departments so that's an independent audit function that's in the charter
1: audit like the financials or you audit like to see if everything's going according to what it should be doing Uh, both both Both. now and do you audit everything or someone says account I'm just making this up does a council member say I don't think this is going
2: well we should get the controller to audit it yeah no that's a great question so the way that an audit comes to be is is first you know it's a risk-based approach so the the appointed city auditor does a risk profile in every city department on a rolling four-year basis okay so on a four-year basis every department will have an updated risk profile and that's called an enterprise risk assessment So that enterprise risk assessment helps inform the controller and the city auditor as to what eventually gets on an audit plan. And the way that something gets on an audit plan is it's public uh, input. So if, if, if a citizen comes to our website and says, hey, we see XYZ going on, that goes into a database that we monitor and track. Uh, the city auditor also will go around and meet with all the city council members and say, look, what are, what are your priorities? What are the oh, things that you want to see on the audit plan? And then we also get input from management. Because a lot of times there may be a manager that knows a process. May management be. does that mean like department heads? Yeah, or the it city? Means it's the department okay. heads, yeah. Yeah, so we'll go around and we'll we'll interview or we'll talk to all the department heads and say, look, what is it about your operation that, that we may need to look at, and all that gets considered when an audit plan gets produced. So it's not that necessarily every department gets audited every year, mm-hmm. um, but it but it's it's a it's a process by which all the risk elements of the city get incorporated Very interesting. into the audit plan.
1: How many departments are there in the city of Houston?
2: There's you know twenty five city
1: departments. God, you just got it all. You you yeah. you you got it all. You got all the information. Yeah. That's why we, I'm so glad we have you here. You're going to give us a civic lesson. So everybody out on Facebook, this is it. This is the man. So
2: let's go back. There's 20 what? 25 different cities and that means things like solid ways public works fire department police that's right so this is part of the challenge in in just a big city like the city of Houston and it's not different than Chicago or New York or LA but you know trying to govern uh, a a a enterprise like the city of Houston that has 25 different city departments that operates in really 25 different industries. I mean, the way that the airport system operates is significantly different than how you would run a library system. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes government so complex. And, and this is what I tell my students. So I teach public finance at U of H. Oh, no kidding. And how I, do you enjoy that? I love it. I, I love mean, it.
1: I mean, do the, all kids, like, yeah, kids,
2: all these young students, are they like real bright eyed and, you know, um, Professor Obregon? I mean, how does the city work? Most of them are dreading the fact that they've got to take a public finance class. <laughs> That's like number one. I'm like, this will be one of the most interesting classes you'll ever take if you allow it to be. Oh my goodness. Well, that's super good. Keep going though. Yeah, come back so back to the city. So I mean, that's what makes government so difficult is that you've got all these different city departments uh, that operate in different industries basically. So going back to the audit. So all those ideas get incorporated into an audit plan, which eventually gets produced. And then the city auditors along with staff auditors go out and audit those city plans. So you asked the question of like, what type of audits that we do? Right. We we do in some instances we do financial audits. Um, there is a big financial audit that's done on the city's books every single year. We have to do that, right? And then there's also what our office does. is that does. the CAFR. That's the uh, it's now called the ACFR. Uh, the acronym has changed. Um, okay, CAFR used to be certified annual financial yeah. reporting something. The comprehensive annual financial. Why is report. it
1: called something different now? So, uh,
2: and, and I don't I don't want to misspeak, but the the word. CAFR actually is a derogatory term and I believe, in South Africa. So so the Governmental Accounting Standards Board said that we don't want to use that term anymore because it's offensive. No kidding. So let's change it to ACFR. Okay. So that's why it's called the ACFR. Did now. we change the letters of what it is? Yeah, ACFR now.
1: Well, you know what? How great that um,
2: someone picked that up. That's right. Because at the end of the
1: day, we all need to be more sensitive about words and what they all mean to people in different cultures because... Because we just need to be. Right. So go back. Let me, let me ask you a silly question. How many employees are there in the city of Houston? Do you? Yeah, there's up, you about
2: know? twenty-one thousand municipal employees, and that would include fire, uh, police the airport system, the combined utility system, and then the other administrative departments. It's about 21,000. And is
1: that, this is a silly question, but is that is that a lot? I mean,
2: like how many does uh, Chicago
1: have or San Antonio have? Do you have any I, idea? I
2: don't know compared, but that's not, it's not fair necessarily to, to, to compare apples to apples. The reason being is that, let's say, Chicago actually a, has their school system incorporated into their city structure. Okay, so, so you got to have a lot more employees. Yeah, so you got to take that out. Budget. But I mean, I would say overall, uh, you know, we need more. We need more police officers. We probably need some more public works employees. So, I mean, I, I would say that in, in general, the city is probably a little bit understaffed. What's very interesting is you always hear this stat. And I
1: don't recall what it is, but I'm going to just run with it for a minute, see if you know. People always say, well, we need more police officers, because if you look at the city of Chicago, it's roughly really the same size that so they have, like, two times the number we have. Is, is that true, or is that myth?
2: Yeah, I think on a per capita basis, yeah, the city per probably has a little bit less police officers than we need. And obviously, it, we see with crime, I mean, we could use some more. How does that, treatment. I mean... Why did that happen? Anybody have an idea? I mean, yeah, I think in some ways it's a it's a budget constraint, you know. Ultimately the the mayor, you know, produces the budget, but they have to produce a budget that's within the confines of the city's finances and, you know, we we, we unfortunately don't have enough revenue well that that leads us to something in just a second um, how many employees are there in the controller's office there's about 60 employees in the controller's office 6 And, oh. and those are within those six departments and I've gone through I think three of them but right you know, there's three other functions that are that, that I haven't mentioned one is operations so that department uh, certifies the availability of funds before that before a contract goes in front of city council uh, that department also makes all city payments so payroll all the payments so the check processing area that's right yeah we we cut checks we do wires uh we also do ach payments direct deposit which what most people think of let me ask you this how many vendors are there for the city of Houston? Oh, there's thousands. Idea? I don't uh-huh. have, I mean, there there's probably in excess of 5,000 vendors. Or and are something. y'all processing all of their payments too? Yeah, we process about 60,000 payments a year. Wow. It's a lot of payments. Pa- 60,000 payments? Yeah. Which would be for some sort of, I'm making it up, a couple of
1: thousand vendors or payees.
2: Yeah, that's right. So you've payees got- Payees,
1: including employees, 21,000
2: yeah. employees. And then- Vend vendees or whatever they, the yeah, word v- is, we call them vendors. But okay. and then we also do jury payments. You know, people don't think about ah. that, but we process all the, all the juror payments when somebody shows up to municipal courts. to. to so jury duty. tell me again, where are you from? Yeah. So I'm originally from, uh, I grew up in Crosby. So I was born in Baytown, Texas. I'll take a step back I was born in Baytown, Texas. And as soon as I was born, uh, I moved to Mexico. So yep. my mom spent 15 years prior to me arriving on this earth in Mexico. She started an import export business in Mexico City and she kind of split her time between Zihuatanejo on the Pacific Coast. Most people have either, if you haven't heard of Zihuatanejo, you most certainly have heard of Acapulco. Yes. So I've but, heard of Acapulco. Yeah, you may have <laughs> even been there,
1: and you may have had a great time. <laughs> My studio audience just give me a big laugh here. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, there you go. <laughs> keep
0: going, keep going. Yeah. So,
2: that- so uh, as soon as I was born, went went uh, down to Mexico and, and, you know, for the most part, lived in between Mexico City and Zihuatanejo and would often travel back to, to Crosby or Highlands. Where's and Crosby again? It's in Northeast Harris County. It's in between Baytown and Umble. And is it uh, is it in Houston? No, it's Crosby's. It's own city. Yeah, it's it's part of the ETJ in Harris County, so it's not its own city. Um, there's not a whole lot in Crosby. There's it's grown quite a bit, but lots of grass farms. Did you go to high school there? Yeah, I went to Crosby High School. My mom taught at the high school that I went to. No, what was your graduating class? Uh, it was about two hundred and fifty. Oh, that's so. a big. That's a big yeah, high school. We were a four A high school. That's so a big we high school. We weren't. So
1: how does small. how does a a, a young man, you know, young Alex from Crosby High School, get to be the deputy controller of the fourth largest city of America. Did you did you just think one day when you were there, you know, watching the Flintstones and you're you know watching Scooby Doo
2: and you say, you know what, one day I think I'm going to be controller of the city of Houston. I mean, how did that happen? Well, uh, it started because I wanted better food in the dining halls. At the it, university, is school. that right? That's literally how I mean. That's so you you organized the You organized and. the revolt about the dining hall food, and the, there might have been some food thrown <laughs> at some point in time because people were mad that yep. this wasn't. No, no, no. I mean, so it, the, quite literally how it happened. So um, I was on campus at, at U of H, yep. and I was reading in the campus newspaper um, called the Daily Cougar yep. about you know. Student Government Association trying to get better food in the dining hall. They wanted more nutritious options,
1: right? So not necessarily, I want better hamburger, but more fruit or excuse me, fruit yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want the same old burgers. That's
2: right. So And I thought to myself, well, I want better food in the dining halls, yeah. and if I can join a Student Government Association and help be a part of that change, like I want to do that. What I didn't know is that you, if you wanted to be part of student government, you had to run for a student uh. position, right? So I thought this sounds fun. So I ran and I lost. I, I didn't, not, I didn't know that you had to like put a campaign together and like recruit volunteers. And were you, and like, were you like down and out?
1: Like, oh god.
2: Yeah, it was kind of that was the end of your political career. But well, no, it kind of, it kind of motivated me because the person that beat me lasted like two meetings, and I was like, this is. I mean, I, went, I actually wanted to do this. so I, I Because went, they got bored and said, you know. I think they actually got kicked out. Like they missed the first two meetings and you got the, you got the ax if yep. you didn't show up to the meeting. So at that point, I said, let me get a little bit smarter about this. So I went and became friends with a student body president. Uh, he's still a very close friend of mine to this day. And he goes, Alex, you have to actually like get involved in campus activities. It's yeah. like get a platform and run. So It's like, Alex, you got to do something. You got to do something. You got to do something. something. Right. So I got appointed to student traffic court. So I was the chief justice of student traffic court, and that was kind of my first experience. In and what is student traffic court? If yeah. students get a ticket on campus, yep. they can appeal it, and to a to a group of their peers that also had a couple of professor representatives. So I got to listen to students come and you know, beg, beg and plead about why they shouldn't have to pay the thirty dollars fine for. Wow! And what was the, the most? Hydrant. What was the most ridiculous story someone told you about their ticket? Yeah, one one person like popped a curve a curb so he was on the curb like in the grass so he got a ticket and he came and he's like look i don't have very much money and the reason why i popped that curb is because i was late for a final and and i was like you know what i can appreciate that and he like brought in he brought in the the, expert witnesses (laughs) you can you can bring a witness but he like brought in his uh he had like an email to the professor because he was running late he he brought that and you know we had a little bit of pity on him we're like you know we've all been there before uh, he popped the curb. It was against the rules, so I think we ended up slashing his fine in half or something like that.
1: Oh, that is great! Yeah, so that then, was my
2: first exposure so, to it.
1: You know what? That's good exposure because that's the people. Yeah, no, that's and, right. And you always, as an, I've never been an elected official, but it seems to me you can never lose sight of. It's all about the people, and you got to be sensitive to the people because the people are you. Yeah. You are the people. The people are you. And everyday things that people need. You know, like right now, everybody's struggling. I did a a, a food giveaway. Uh, at Pastor Claude Cummins uh, III's church, and there were hundreds of people coming through in their cars because people are hurting because they can't afford food. They're having to make life decisions like, you know, should I pay my light bill or should I buy milk for my kids? And that's just a terrible choice.
2: I I knew it was real that people were struggling during the pandemic when I I lived uh, very close to NRG Stadium and I I went up on a Sunday and got in my car and I've got two small kids, so I was gonna get kolaches and coffee for my wife. And I go and there's traffic everywhere around NRG and I go, what is all this traffic? Uh, And then I realized there was the food bank mm -hmm. at NRG Stadium and it was what seemed like thousands and thousands of cars, you know, and some of them were nice cars, some of them were not so nice cars. And I go, if you're getting up on a Sunday to go get food at NRG Stadium, you're struggling. Yep. It's a problem.
1: I did two this summer. I mean I did I did a bunch but I did two this summer with state representative uh, Christina Morales and state representative Mary Pettis together and uh, and then I did one with um uh, of course, all the uh, uh, Baptist ministers and Pastor Max Miller. So I've done several of these. And you know what's very interesting is when you hear people, and they're always the same hateful people. that say, oh, well, they should get a job. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't understand what's going on in their lives. And you know, It takes two people, two jobs nowadays to afford a home and afford food. And you know it's real when you see people in line in their car for four or five hours. And that's what we saw, four or five hour line. That is not someone that's that's loafing or making it up. That's real, they need help. So let's go back. So you were there at the traffic court. Were you the chief justice? I I became the chief justice. Oh my goodness. Student traffic court. Well, your honor, (laughs) I am gotta call you your honor. No,
2: no, no. Your honor, so you were the chief justice and then, so you graduated from U of H. Yeah, so so the chief justice thing ended up turning into me actually running for student government again and I won, oh, I, s- I created great. my own party, you know, one half the seats that I contested in, in the, the student body president, and the student body VP were of opposing parties. But by design or just happened well, that way? No, but well, instead of me just joining their party, I said, "Well, I'm going to just create my own to yeah. try to win this seat." So I uh, I became friends with the student body president. He and I hit it off. He goes, "Look, why, you know, because I actually won some of the contested seats, and we were at opposing student parties, right? Yeah, so yeah. This yeah. is a very big deal in student. No, student believe me. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember Super vividly. vividly deal, yeah. Yeah. I, I do get it. So he said, as a way to bridge a bridge the, the the divide, so to speak, why don't I support you to be speaker of the student body senate? So he supported me to be spe- Speaker of the Student Body Senate, so I became the Speaker of the Student Body Senate at U of H. Wow. And then uh, that led to an internship at City Hall. And no kidding. That's how I really got my
1: start. So you were an intern at City Hall for whom? Or for, for what group? Department? For
2: City Councilmember Ronald Green. Oh, uh, Ron Green. From him, and I got placed there through the now it's called the Hobby School of Public Policy. At the time, it was the Center for Public Policy. But one of the big programs they did, and they've been doing this for years, is they place students in local and legislative offices as a as a curriculum based internship program. Right. That you do for a semester, you get class credit for it. Very good. You get credit? You, you get class and credit. And do you for get paid? It. No, you don't get paid. Okay. Because you're getting credit, you that's don't right. get paid.
1: So that's essentially, that means you're you're not paying for that semester time in a tuition so that's you really you still have payment.
2: to pay tuition but you get credit for you know, I get a grade in the class for yeah, having done that. So I did that internship and I hit it off with the council member and the chief of staff, and they ended up asking me to come on uh, part-time for the remainder of my undergraduate career. So Wow, what an experience. Well, Ron Green, you know, a lot
1: of people in the community know Ron Green, right? Yeah. He, was, he was always doing good things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so then what year was that about? Because I don't recall when he was on this council. This
2: was in 2007.
1: Okay, 2007. So then you finished up and then what happened?
2: Yeah, finished up undergrad. And this was, um, I don't know if you recall it, 2007, 2008, 2009, but that was, you know, the, the housing crisis in the Well, recession. I, rem- I remember it in my business, I know at Lehman <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> yes. That was Lehman Brothers. Yes. And
1: I will tell you what's funny about that, um, you know, if you go back to 2006 or seven, and if I had told you that, you know what, Alex, in a year... Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae would be bankrupt and taken over. Merrill Lynch would be gone. Countrywide would be gone. Washington Mutual would be gone. Uh, Bear Stearns would be gone. Lehman Brothers would be gone. You would have said... There's no way. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. And what always frustrates me and here's my own soapbox is, you know, you get Washington, somehow I feel like Washington's just a bubble. Um, and you know, you got all these guys with all this incredible power and they just sort of shuffle in and out between their on Wall Street, then they go to the Treasury Department, then they go back to Wall Street and they focused on saving the banks and all these things. But they didn't focus on the people.
2: That's right. And,
1: the, and, you know, the banks, the truth, a lot of those, you know, corporate executives and this and that, they made a bunch of money. And my view is, wait a minute, what about the people? So I appreciate you staying in touch with the people because I could see that and feel it in you. So going back, so it was oh six. I mean 07, 08.
2: And then you finished up, and then what happened? Yeah, finished up, couldn't, couldn't find a job. I mean, there was there was zero jobs. That's right. There were um, no jobs. The economy you know, had 5 or 6% unemployment coming yep. I mean, off a pretty low. The economy was jamming along prior to that. Things right, were going right. very well. And uh, so I ended up getting a job working for Harris County as a pre-trial service officer. And for, for those that don't know, you're actually in the jail accessing defendants, doing uh, risk profiles on that defendant as to basically whether or not they would show up to their first court hearing.
1: So, wait a minute. Let me make sure I understand this. So, here you are, a young man, and you're there thrown into the Harris County system saying, I'm going to assess these different people that are arrested. Are they... uh, are they already sentenced or they're just like arrested? And we don't know if they're guilty or not guilty. They're yeah, just arrested. That
2: they're arrested. Uh, they're going through the judicial process at the very, very early stage. Mm-hmm. They're still in their street clothes in yep. some instances. And it's part of the magistrate court process.
1: So you're assessing whether that person's a flight
2: risk, that person is not That's isn't. right. Yeah. Do they have a job? Yeah. Do they have children? Yeah. You know, where do they live? So I was 20. Two years old. What a job! But, yeah, it was. It was so incredible. important job. That's such
1: an important job because these people, frankly, they need a break. Yeah, you know that's and, right. I mean, you know, I mean, somehow through grace of God, something happened, and you know, they just need a break. And thank God, you were there to say, you know what? Here's someone
2: that has a family, goes to church, has a home, and I don't think he's a flight risk. Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, the one thing about that job that, you know, there's, there was a couple of blessings, but uh, I didn't particularly like the way that the jailers treated the defendants. Like, it, it was just not a great, you know, it, it was tough to watch that as a young professional. I didn't particularly like it. Well,
1: here, imagine this. If you felt, I'm going to use a word you didn't say, but if you felt it was creepy watching it. Imagine what goes on behind the door.
2: No, that's right. I mean, right.
1: if it was already sort of making you a little unsettled or whatever, the, you didn't use that word either, but so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but whatever that feeling was, imagine what it's like.
2: No, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, the, the second blessing that came from that is because I was the lowest man on the totem pole, I didn't have to, my shift started basically at 2 o'clock. So, PM. PM, that's right. So I went from like 2 PM to 11 PM, Wednesday through Sunday. So they couldn't pay me in the council office because they didn't have enough money in their budget. Right. You know, because I'd graduated and needed a full-time job. Right. So, so I asked if I could just continue to volunteer. I go, hey, can I just continue to show up to the council office and? No kidding. Green said, you know, we can't pay you. We, we can't. You know, we don't have any money in our budget. And I go, that's okay. I'm just going to keep. I'll keep working for free. So you were doing the Harris County job. And volunteering in the day for Councilman Green.
1: Yeah. That's How right. How wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations to him that he
2: said, you know what, yeah, I want you here to, you know, get the experience. Yeah, no, he was he he was uh he's you know been a mentor to mine, he's been a, a blessing in my life. So um, you know, Ronald at that time was considering running for city controller.
1: Right, Um, I remember.
2: And and he ran for controller. Hold
1: on one second. I I think we gotta pause here because I think we have a question. Do we have a? Do we have a caller there, producer? Jolanda. Let's. We have a caller. Uh, If it's the Jolanda, uh, oh, do I have a caller there? Yeah, it is the Jolanda. Is it the The Jolanda? Jolanda, I love it. (laughs) See, remember, hey, Alex, Alex, one day you're going to be like this because, see, there are certain people that just do such amazing things and they're yeah. all there. There's like Selena. There's, you know, there's a Madonna. You know, well, Those there's there, there's yeah. days. There's Jolanda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, Joe, Joe we have a. Um, Alex Obregón, uh works for the uh, city controller's office. Joe, what the heck I is... I c- Alex. Do you Alex, know him already? Yeah. Let me ask you, Joe.
3: Dude, Alex contributed to my campaign. What are you talking about? Awesome. I awesome. Him. I, I, knew him, I knew him when he was like a little young pup. Yes, like,
2: you did. Before, well, he
3: became, before he ended up like being the big muckety-muck that he is. He's, a
1: muckety-muck, he's, I mean, <laughs> he's a, a muckety-muck, Joe. I mean, he's a muckety-muck. Uh, now, yeah. let me ask that you this. a very
3: important person.
1: That's exactly right. Let me ask you this, Joe, because I'm a, I am like to think I'm educated um, and all that sorts of things, but I'm just confused. Explain to the public what is going on with your race in May and why there are two election days. So, what
3: is going on is prior to the new year, so like in November, Chairman Garnick Coleman announced that he was not running for re-election. So his natural term would have ended on December 31st of 2022. Okay. So he said, I'm not running for re-election. So there was an election on March 1st to fill the seat that he did not run for re-election
1: for so just to then, just to fill uh, out the term you mean
3: no 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 no, the first thing you did was said i'm not running for re-election oh so so, to,
1: okay so fill out, out the by, seat after december 22.
3: yes yeah, after december 30th of 2022 Got it. right so i filed for that as did six other people and of course i ended up winning that on march one in the meantime chairman coleman decided and i don't know why that he was going to resign effective February 28th of this year. So currently house district 147 does not have a state rep because he resigned as of February 28th, hence the second election, which actually comes before the runoff. So that election, which is the first uniform election day, because there are some propositions or something on May 7th. So on May 7th, there's a special election for the express purpose of filling his unexpired term. Now, I didn't know what all that stuff meant until I started running for office. So let me explain that to lay people. To fill an unexpired term means, the term was supposed to end on December 31st of 2022. He resigned before that. So they need to get somebody to fill in there from December 31st, uh, uh, from from May 7th, which is when the election is, until December 31st. So the May 7th election gets me elected from that date until december 31st and then the runoff which is on may 24th keeps me in there from then like for the for the natural for the for the term.
1: so it's so possible
3: like election but you got to do the the two-step you've got to vote yeah. for me twice
1: oh my goodness let me ask you is it possible that someone could get elected to fill the remaining term and then you get elected to fill the two years after that
3: Yes, that's happened. In fact, that's how um, Penny Morales Shaw got in. She actually lost the special election to Anna Eastman, and then but she won the runoff. Oh so my I, I don't want to lose. I want
2: to win both. Bottom line, like, Joe is.
3: So
2: you got to win.
3: So right. So I got to win both. So yeah, So so, Alex, since you're sitting there, my 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 really good friend muckety Muck, I need another. <laughs> donation because there's a filing deadline, This, uh, you know, closed mouths don't get fed, so there's another filing deadline a week from today, the 28th, and uh, I would really super appreciate another donation. And Gilbert, oh. my, my other really good comes. friend, I also need another donation from you because I need to raise money so that I can win the special election on May seventh, and I can win the runoff election where I came in first in the in the you know on March first.
1: Well, well Joe, so I, I, I can tell you right now, you got it.
3: Thank you. You can, got you know, it. You know what? I'll so call you offline. You can't. I have some great news. It's share it with last us. time
1: I spoke But, but actually, before you share it, I want to make sure people know, I think what happened with Garnett Coleman, of course, because, look, Garnett's a legend, and he's just an amazing human being. His health has deteriorated, and so I think that's that had a lot to do with it all. So I just thought I would throw so that so, in. Um,
3: so, so, so let me say this. So, so Garnett was there for 31 years. Garnett has had some health challenges. I'm not going to go into his health challenges, but they're pretty public. Uh, yes. You can Google that, and his health, if, if, he, if he was in really good health, I'm certain that he would not have retired and resigned, certain of it. Yeah, and I've had he him on, had good him good on the
1: show since, and, you know, look, the guy's a prince. Tell us your great news there.
3: So my great news, speaking of princes, since I spoke to you last, representative or chairman, because he was the chairman, and let me tell you something, in this political climate. You don't have a lot of Democrats that are chairmen of committees, so Garnet has the respect of everyone. Yep, He endorsed me. Oh, how great. And I'm super thankful for that. And since then, I've also gotten the endorsement of most of the Houston delegation uh, in the state. I've also got uh, Senator Royce West, Senator
4: Boyce Miles.
1: Well, there's probably no greater honor than someone to endorse you to say, take the seat after me. I mean, what what an incredible thing to say! I feel comfortable that my constituents are going to be in good hands with you. Uh,
3: you know, one of the things that that Chairman Coleman said, which really made my heart just really proud, and even talking about it now is is moving me to tears. Is he said while he when he thought last about the last legislative session, he needed someone who, because things were just so ugly towards Texans with curtailing our voting rights and micromanaging women's wombs and, I mean, just refusing to give us uh, expanding Medicaid so that we had access to healthcare, that he, they needed, or that 147 needs somebody who could fight like him, but who was also smart enough to know a good deal you know, if we got one, and who would work for a good deal. So fight when I have to and negotiate when I can. Amen. And so that, um, let me tell you something, he's a
1: legend. He is. Well, well, Joe, for for you, that's that lawyer in you. You were taught to do that, right, to be a strong advocate, but when you can sort of reach a good place, you know, be smart. Oh,
3: absolutely. That's one of the things you learn. That's the lawyer in you. you. As a lawyer, you learn that, you know, any good negotiation, nobody's a 1,000% happy, right? So everybody thinks they gave up something that they, you know, maybe didn't want to give up, but you also get to control the outcome. You know, you know, what the outcome is. And so if everybody feels like they were a little bruised, and that was a good negotiation. That's, that.
1: that's probably a good settlement. Well, let's do this, Joe. I'm going to have you back on here. So I'll get okay. back with you about us and, and try to get you back on between here and May. And so I thank you for okay. calling in.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and again, my really, really, really good friend. Oh, and thank you for having me on your show. But to my really, really, really good friend, Alex and Gilbert, I will be calling you offline because I need those donations. <laughs> and to your listeners. I would encourage you to go to JolandaJones It's my campaign website, and I need donations. Even if you have one dollar to donate, or five dollars, or ten dollars, you don't have to donate a lot. I just need contributions. One five dollars donation lets me buy one yard sign.
1: Amen. Right.
3: So I need I need your help. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so humbled and honored that. Chairman Coleman picked me to succeed him in the special election and the runoff election. And I hope, wish, and I pray that constituents of 147 do exactly what he said.
1: Unbelievable. I, You know what? Given how people feel about him, I think they will. Joe, thank you very much for being here on a tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer. You're an unbelievable public servant. And I'll have you back.
3: Thank you so much. I, I love you guys, and I'm just working hard. You guys have a great Monday. Make a lot of money.
1: Keep going, Jolanda. Good to hear from you, Councilmember Jones. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. So let's come back to you, Alex, because, uh, boy, that Jolanda, she's just like, you know, what do you, what do you call it? She's like a firecracker, boy. She just,
2: you know. She's a fighter. Isn't she? Yeah.
1: And that's what you need, because here in Austin, it just seems there's different degrees of, I don't know, stubbornness, and, and we're sort of going off track when we're worried about kids and, you know, books. Look, books are important, but at the end of the day, let's fix the problems. There's so many things that can be better in the lives of, of Texans. Let's focus on that. But don't get me started there. Let's go back to you, Alex, because I want to hear about this nonprofit that I know you're proud of it. I met your lovely wife. I know she's proud of it. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so um, my wife's best friend, her name is Jane Natskov. Uh, we share something... Um, we share something in common. We both lost our mothers way earlier than uh, we should have.
0: Wow. To,
2: to, so her mother had uh, cancer. Uh, my mother had cancer. That's not ultimately what uh, caused her death, but it contributed to it. So, you know, and I was raised by a single mom. So losing my mom at in my 20s was tough. Oh, like that my. was not, not, not easy. Um, but, you know, she instilled in me some very valuable life lessons. Uh, same thing with Jane's mom, um, and I think that's, you know, it's always nice to be good friends with your wife's best friend and get along. That <laughs> makes things a lot easier. Understood. Uh, but she she and her husband are just phenomenal people. They have two children, and we were talking uh, at their home one day, and, you know, when her mother passed away, she left a townhouse that, coincidentally enough, my wife and I lived in for a period of time when we were dating. And she left a townhome to her daughter, and her daughter said, "Look, I want to do something with this townhome. I want to, I want to give back." And she recalled when she was at MD Anderson, listening to people's stories and their struggles, and trying to find um, affordable housing options mm-hmm. when they came and sought treatment at MD Anderson. So this this townhome and I've lived that, by the way, with my grandfather. But keep yeah, going. I did it with my mom. It's tough. Luckily, I was fortunate enough to be in Houston, that mm-hmm. we didn't have to pay for a hotel, but. Um, that evolved into well, look, why don't why don't we start a nonprofit? And my wife had started a nonprofit. She'd helped start nonprofits in the past, so my wife's an attorney, and she said, look, I can help get the paperwork together, and let's start this nonprofit. So fast forward like a year later, we got our five hundred one c three status, and we and we started with one townhome, and the and the nonprofit is called Houston Haven. And we provide subsidized housing to out-of-town cancer, pa- cancer patients, and we don't charge them more than thirty-five dollars per night. And wow. we subsidize and fundraise the rest of it. And they, what's the house like? Where the you have yeah. like a. Stable of houses in your thing, and and I mean that's right. We've now grown. I mean this this nonprofit started two years ago. We now have seven properties. Wow! And is it the whole house, or they're like in a bedroom in someone's house? No, they're they're well. In some instances, they're they're all uh, independent living. So you're not co living with somebody. I see. Um we lease the properties and we actually own a couple of properties. So they have we have some townhome options. Yeah. We have some single family resident options where they have a backyard. It's mm-hmm. in Bel Air. Uh, it's close to the Med Center. They can bring their families. And we have some efficiency units where if you're just coming down to get, you know, a quick And changer. they all by MD Anderson? Yeah, they're all close to MD Anderson. They're all very, very close that to M D so Anderson.
1: Great. I know we're getting close on time. I'm gonna interrupt you real quick because I know we have another caller. Do we have a caller? Is there a Marie on the line? Yes it's me Maria. Maria speak to me.
4: How are you Gilbert?
1: I'm very well thank you of me and Alex Obregon the deputy city controller.
4: I'm listening thank you so much both of you for what you're doing for communities and for our families you know. Uh, I'm very I'm very grateful. Um, I'm a single mom so I'm being uh, helping communities for the past many years and I'm um, you know, just being part of them, different scenarios. So uh Gilbert, uh first of all, happy uh spring equinox today is um uh equinox. If you had a chance, guys, put a an egg in the palm of your hand and it's gonna be the gravity is gonna be balancing really well. So it's awesome. I'm
1: gonna uh, Gilbert, do it. I'm gonna do it.
4: It's awesome. Gilbert, um I wanna thank you so much because hmm, it's very delightful to hear, you know, your show and the, the people that you bring over, because uh, you are educating us. Uh, I'm being uh, thanks to your show and being, you know, listener. Um, I'm being getting to know, you know, the needs of politicians, of people that are running for campaigns. And today I'm learning, you know, about this uh, beautiful um, nonprofit organization you know so definitely we need to help out we need to help our communities we have to continue educating and i I, i'm really 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 grateful uh both of you for what you're doing and yolanda i wish you all the best we love you uh molly i mean all the girls and the gentlemen that i have meeting your shows you know thank you Thank you. Thank you, Gilbert. God
1: bless you. God, Marie, you know what? You can't tell this right now, but I'm hugging you right now in cyberspace. That's one of the nicest things I've heard. Thank you so much for calling into the show and, and for giving these well wishes to Alex and to me. And I hope you keep calling again because think of it as your show. You can say whatever you want about your family, your church, what's going on in school. I'll have people speaking about things that are interesting. But please share anything that you got and thank you for oh calling Maria.
4: Thank you thank so you, much. God bless you.
1: God, bless you. God bless you. I'm gonna come back to uh, Alex so then where do you see this going? Where do you think this will be in I don't know five years from now?
2: Yeah, so we, we just did our first strategic planning ah, meeting okay because you know so what happened was is there was another nonprofit. Uh, called Suites of Hope, that had a very similar concept, that approached us and said, "Look, do you want to acquire our properties?" They basically had reached a certain level of um, of an organization, and they didn't have the time resources. I mean, it was small nonprofit, so these yep. these people that are running it are not getting paid. You right. know, our founder is not getting paid. Right, right, right. So they said, "Look, why don't you acquire some of our properties? They actually, owned their properties, so we acquired Suites of Hope. We became one nonprofit. Oh, how That's great. how we were able to grow." How great. I wonder if that's going to be the future of growing, but hold that thought. We have another caller. Is there a Fiona
1: on the line? Yeah, there is. Fiona, you have me, Gilbert, a tip for me, and you have Mr. Alex Obregon. What you got for us? Hi, Mr. Obregon, um, I just wanted Hi. to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I've been learning a lot, um, and I'm,
3: I'm embarrassed to say I had no idea that the comp, that the controller was an elected position That's all right. <laughs> here in Houston. So, but I'm curious as to, um, when you're running, um, For the controller position what are the hot button issues today um in the city that you know um you have to speak to as challenges and that you have to kind of make promises to the city for um i'm um, you know unfortunately not as plugged in as i guess i should be um so i'd love to know kind of what's going on right now um to be
2: clear i'm not i'm not running for anything i'm the deputy controller i I think she means i know if one were to if one runs oh i see yeah well,
3: I'm just curious as like, to like, what, what are the big what, issues right what, now? What's going on?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. Yeah. So, you know, Thank one, you, Fiona. I, we're, th- you're going to
1: be the last question. I know we had another caller there because we actually we're out of time. But thank you, Fiona. Oh, okay.
2: And here's the answer. Yeah, so so one of the big issues that that has been around City Hall for a long time related to the city's finances is this structurally imbalanced budget. And what that simply means is that our mm. recurring revenues, the revenue that we get, you know, on an annual basis that that is almost guaranteed, doesn't quite meet our recurring expenses. And that becomes a problem Mm. over time. So that structural imbalance, and the reason why we call it a structural imbalance is because it's recurring. It's this this thing that just evolves and keeps going through fiscal years. So that structural deficit has been growing. Part of the reason why it's been growing is because our costs have been going up. I Mm -hmm. mean, we know inflation right now is like at 6%. Um, hopefully that normalizes here soon. But, you know, healthcare, CPI keeps going up. So our expenses are going up, and our revenue is not quite meeting those expenses that are going up, in part because of our revenue cap.
1: Alex, I'm going to have to interrupt because, you know, Carol Burnett, they had that song at the end. I'm yes. so glad we had this time together. We're out of time.
2: Oh man, Fiona, I thank
1: you for calling in, and um, please, Fiona, please call in again. Alex, you and I are going to stay on here after Facebook. We got about 30 seconds of this song, and Alex, I really want to thank you, Fiona, Maria, uh, Jolanda, everybody who called in. Let's hit that song, because I really think that the uh, the world can use a little more kindness, friendship, taking care of one another, and let's just pray for uh, those people in Ukraine. All they want is the stuff we take for granted, freedom. That's all they want. And then if you can
4: remember, keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me. But sure, that's what friends are for.
1: I think we're off the radio, but we're still gonna be on Facebook for a few minutes. Sure. I just love the song. I don't know why. Uh other than it's just a nice song. And you know what's interesting about the song? Bert Bachrock, the great songwriter who did things like uh Raindrops Keep Fallin' on My Head, and he did uh, um so many other uh, great songs, Close to You. Uh, he wrote this song. Oh wow. And what's very fascinating that people don't know about the song It's Dionne Warwick, the wonderful, amazing Dionne Warwick, Stevie Wonder, Elton John, Gladys Knight, each one of them sang their parts separately in different locations. Wow. And then the engineer had to figure out, like a jigsaw puzzle, how to put them together. And that's what you hear, this magnificent, all these voices. So we'll hear the end here because they all come together.
0: That's Stevie. Oh, that's what
3: friends are for.
4: Oh, keep smiling, keep shining. Knowing you can always count on me. For sure. That's what friends are for.
1: For good times and bad times. And that's Gladys Knight. remember her Gladys Knight and the pips yeah of course I want to be one of the pips because they don't have to sing or anything but they're just
2: there with her and they're dancing and that's Elton John my son calls his grandfather pips so that's how you can be a pips I want to be one of the pips
1: (laughs) man what a great job but you got to have rhythm so I guess that's why I don't count yeah I'd be out yeah I'm out They think about that how do they put all those voices together they're all recorded differently yeah it is remarkable that's what are and then they did a music video all together back when there were music videos yeah what are those back when mtv
2: had music videos i think they still do but i just haven't i don't seen
1: know them i mean I every time we turn there's just some sort of young teenagers doing silly things yeah, you know they're I just think that's the TikTok. tock yeah For sure. for sure. for sure. All right, Houston, you got me. We're now on Facebook and all, all the other uh, cyberspace. I guess I'm not supposed to say Facebook anymore, right, producers? I'm not Meta. supposed to say it. it's what is it called to make it? Meta. Meta. Uh, Okay, I'll just say meta uh, Because, you know, if I say Facebook Something could go wrong in my life They'll follow me, or I don't know At the end of the day, it's a tip from Gilbert.com You can write me And It's 832-570-8075. We had a couple of callers today. You can always call in We're always here on KWWJ, which is keep walking with Jesus Which of course is 1360 a.m. and 96.9 FM and a tip from Gilbert stands for talk Inspiration and prayer and of course we have mr. Alex Obregón I think uh, if there's one thing that comes across to me about you is you're very knowledgeable You're very humble and man, you have a good heart to be doing that whole nonprofit. I remember when my grandfather had cancer and he and my grandmother, they had to stay within like a one mile radius to find a place that was, you know, they could afford, uh, that would have a free shuttle service. The transportation's a big thing for people that are taking treatment because they can't afford to be parking in the car and it's too expensive, so they need something there. and uh, And I remember vividly how difficult it was for them. So you're a man with a big heart. So close out by saying, what's the future for Alex Obregon? What you, what, you know, what's the future for you? And if you had to you know, sort of look at the crystal ball in addition to living a wonderful life and you and your wife doing great things and the nonprofit growing and the city's finances you know, improving,
2: what do you think? Yeah, so um, you know, I'm in a pointed position. And the current controller has a year and nine months or so left in his term. Uh, which the biggest blessing in that is that from a professional standpoint, I've got a little bit of a runway to yeah. figure out what's next. So whether it be go to the private sector, stay in government in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, I'm going to figure that out over the next few months. I have two young children, so I need to make sure that whatever Hold your I do, kids. I have a two and a half year oh old my gosh. and four month old. Oh, my and four and month old. Oh, you got to yeah. go get home and help out. Yeah, I know. My goodness. Know.
1: Well, you know, I tell you, um, I always am, am uh, I don't know, t- I don't want to say torn, but look. We want you to be successful, make good money for your family. But you know what? Government needs people like you, right? It just just does. So I know we'll put it in God's hand. Whatever your future is, it'll be the right thing for you and those around you.
2: I'm going to give you the last word here, Alex. Whatever you want to say to Houston and to the people out there, You have the last word, please. I just want to say something about this city. So the University of Houston in this city has done so much for me. Had it not been for U of H, I wouldn't have even gotten my start. And then had it not been for Houston and its ability to just allow anybody to come in and make a living for themselves, make a name for themselves, this city has done so much for me, and I am so blessed to live in this city. Amen. You know what? Since you said that, I
1: got to say something then. Which is, so I have a firm, there's 35 employees here. Are you ready for this? Almost half of our employees, my team, are from U of H System. I love it. UH, I love it. UHD? Uh, UH Clear Lake, UH, UH main campus, the Bower School, and I was recently one of the big gala people for the Bower School. Yeah, thank because, you for that. Well, be my pleasure. And, uh, you know, I have partners from uh, TSU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're the real deal here because I think there are good local schools here, and we need to support those graduates because guess what? they perform. That's right. And you know, in the future, I'm going to have another one of my speakers. He was on my show many months ago when I sort of had a slightly different show. And that was Paul Puente, who runs all the trades. Because at the end of the day, sometimes college isn't for everyone. But you know what? The key is to be productive in society. And these trades are just another avenue, whether it's an electrician and all these other things. So we'll probably have him on to talk about all of that. But I agree with you. U of H is a local, Treasure. So, everybody, we thank you for being with us on a tip from Gilbert. We'll see you next Monday and we'll see you then.
0: This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me on my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 to 11:45 at 96.9 FM, 1360 AM, KWWJ. Or you can call in at 832 570 8075. Write me at a tip from Gilbert at gmail.com. See you then!